Hello, Saubona, how's it? Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Everyday Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, family. I hope that you are strong and well this morning. Um, we're not doing a live stream this morning because we, uh, the elders have gone away for the weekend just to pray and prepare for our re-entry to the building. That's right. We're, we're getting excited, man. We're getting amped. Hopefully at the end of this month or the first of uh, November, we're going to be back together worshipping in our venue. The chairs are actually out. We're doing some revamping, getting all ready for it, and we're so excited to uh, all come back together again and worship. So, um, yeah, we're going to continue with our Believe series this morning, and um, I hope you're enjoying this word, and I hope you're plugging into the devotions that I've been doing, and I really just... I hope that this is building your faith and that you're starting to get a hold of this thing called faith. You know, in the series, we've established that faith is a fundamental, non-negotiable key to salvation, to healing, to deliverance, to provision, to every blessing that's in the gospel. The key to unlocking all of it is this thing called faith. Alright, Jesus was constantly training his disciples in faith, uh, raising their level of faith, challenging their little faith. I mean, come on, I don't know, through this series, I've been challenged by the Lord. Come on, Wayne, have greater faith. Have greater faith than that. What are you expecting? What are you looking forward to? And, and, and I think that's what Jesus does, is he wants us to have this thing called faith, because when we have it, man, we have everything, everything in the kingdom becomes available to us. So we've been talking about that, and and what we've also established in the series is that beliefs will either limit or unlimit our lives. They limit or unlimit what God can do in our lives. You know, in many cases in the Gospels, we see that just because people didn't believe that Jesus was a healer, they weren't able to tap into his healing power in their lives. I mean, that's a profound thought, that it was their beliefs that were either restricting or, or or releasing what God could do in their situation. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be the I want to be the guy who who believes everything in the Word, man. Who believes whatever, whatever if there's something in there, if God said that I can have it, then man, I'm not going to limit God in any way to do what He wants to do in my life. And the good news through this whole series that we've been we as we've been journeying is this: is that we can we can we can change our beliefs we can we can address our beliefs we can and we can grow in faith that we're not we're not bound by our beliefs we can we can change them through a process of meditating on the word and understanding the word and confessing the word our hearts can our believers can get activated and we can start to to believe what the word promises so we can change i want to ask you this morning what do you what do you believe about yourself what do you believe about, um, what do you believe about God? What do you believe about the future? Th- those beliefs are, are core. They are fundamental. You will never rise higher than what you believe right there. And so it's important that we, we lift the bonnet of our, of our hearts and we look at this, the engine of our hearts and, and look at what, what do we believe about these things? What do we believe about ourselves? What do we believe about the future, about our job, about our families? What are we believing? 
Because those are either limiting or unlimiting our lives. Now, today's message is entitled, Working the Grace and Faith System. And I'm just, I'm so excited to share this word with you because, man, I, I've just been soaking in this and um, I just feel like this is going to do something incredible in your life. If you can just grab a hold of this. So let's pray our prayer before we get into the word this morning. Father in heaven, I commit this time to you. I believe that your plans for me are good and that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing, and direction. I treasure your word more than my daily bread. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen. All right. So today I want to talk about uh, working the grace and faith system. Now, if you were, if you plugged into the message last week, I, I spoke about how there are two systems of provision in the world today. There is the system of sowing and reaping, which we know very well, okay? What you put in is what you get out. What you sow is what you reap. We know that system really well. That's a system that um, is in operation in the world. But then I mentioned that there is another system. There's a, a system called grace and faith, which is also at operation in the world. And both are valid and both are necessary. And I want to talk about working the grace and faith system. Right? We know really well how to work the sowing and reaping system. I mean, if you want to get somewhere in the sowing and reaping system, you've got to go study this. You've got to go get your experience there. You've got to sow. You've got to sow so that you can reap what you want to reap in life. We know that system really well. But I want to talk about, well, how do we work the grace and faith system? Okay. Now, before we just get into it exactly, I just want to clarify. Remember that the sowing and reaping system is not evil. Okay, this is, we mustn't think like this. We mustn't think like the sowing and reaping is, is evil. The sowing and reaping system is good. It was given to us by God. It's a system that allows us to, uh, to apply our gifts and our talents and our skills. It's, it's a system where we can, we can sow ourselves into life and we, and we reap and we grow and we learn and we mature. So, and remember I said to you, work is, work is not a curse. Okay, work came way before the curse. God gave work to Adam in the garden before the curse, before sin. So work is a, it's a blessing from God. And if you've, you know, if you haven't had work for a while, then you'll know, like work is, it's a blessing to get up to and go to something today, today and, and, and sow yourself into it and, and, and give your best, you know. It's a, it's a blessing. We get so much meaning and significance from it. So so there's nothing wrong with the sowing and reaping system. But but, But through the curse and through sin, the sowing and reaping system has become distorted. It has become dysfunctional. It it doesn't work the way God originally intended it to work. When you go and look in in the book of of Genesis and you look at chapter 3 and you see that sin enters into the world, and as sin enters into the world, this, the earth comes under this curse. And God says to Adam, he says, by the sweat and toil, uh, by the sweat of your brow and by toil, you will, you will get from the land. 
In other words, what, what used to be like a joy and a, and a pleasure and, and, and you used to just get up and, and you used to do something and there was a reward for doing it. He said, it's, it's not going to be like that. And because of sin, there's this curse that's come on the, on the earth. And, and now the natural disposition of the earth is not just to like give us roses. You know, give us a beautiful orchard. The, the natural disposition of the earth is, here's some weeds. You know, here's some thistles. Here's some thorns. Here's, you know, here's some toughness right there. And, and if we want to see anything good from it, man, we've got to plow ourselves. And, and sometimes we can even plow ourselves into this earth and get no return even from it. And so, so because of sin and because this curse came on the earth, and because of that, the sowing and reaping system was corrupted. It, it got dysfunctional in some way. In, in Genesis 3, it says, In sorrow and toil you shall eat. <laughs> now, you know, I talk to some people, and, and that really sounds like their jobs. Uh, it sounds like sorrow and toil. <laughs> There's a lot of jobs out there that are, are just sorrow and toil. You know, you, you get up and go to this dreary place where... You plow yourself in and then you get this check at the end of the month and it, that check doesn't even cover your bills and, and, and you know, families can't live on one paycheck anymore. Wives have got to work as well and so everybody's out there trying to get something and, and, and it's very rare that you ever have anybody coming back home at the end of the month and saying, man, I just gave myself to that place and it was so good to use my gifts and talents and, and look at this paycheck, man. Woo! This is really rewarding me for who I am. This is, you know, this is good. This is a, uh, this is more than what I put in. What I hear a lot in the world today is I'm putting in so much and I'm getting such a little back. And that sounds exactly like the, the, what happened in Genesis 3, that there would be this toil and the sweat and, and not much comes back to us. Now, I really believe that God doesn't actually want that for our lives. I really believe with all my heart that that is not, that's not our portion. That's not who we're meant to be. That's not how life is meant to be. That's not what this this thing is meant to be at all. And I think when I, look, when I read the Gospels and that Matthew chapter 6 passage that we dived into last week, I just, what I see is a God who's like, guys, I don't want you to, I don't want you in that thing. I don't want you just, you, where your only hope is a dysfunctional cursed system that, that, that can, you know, doesn't give what, more than what you put in. I, that's not the, what I had for you. Now, when, when, when you read the Bible, Okay, what I see in the Bible is this, is that the Bible is a redemption story. And what that means is that, that, so from the beginning we see God's original intention, but then we see that sin enters, and from that moment onwards, there's a redemption story where God is try, is, is bringing mankind back to what He originally intended. That, the Bible, that's what the Bible is, okay? There's this, it's a redemption story, bringing us back to what he originally intended. And so, when it comes to the sowing and reaping system, we, we see that God actually redeems it. There's a way that he redeems it. There's a way that, that he brings us back to what he originally wanted for our lives. And the scripture I want us to read, okay, is Leviticus chapter 26. So we're going to go there in our Bibles, and I'm going to read for you like 10 verses 
And if you're in toil, okay, if you like feel like you're going to something every day and you're plowing your heart and soul into it and you're getting like nothing back from it and you just you're you're in that toil, I want these words just to to wash over you this morning and build your faith and and reframe your mind about how God thinks about you and what God wants for your life. Okay, let the word wash you this morning. Let it clean you. Let it, let it renew good beliefs in you. So we're going to go to chapter 26 and verse 3 of Leviticus. It says, If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season. And the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest. And the grape harvest will continue until planting. And you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down. And no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land. And the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies. And they will fall by the sword before you. Hallelujah. Five of you will chase a hundred. And a hundred of you will chase ten thousand. And your enemies will fall by the sword before you. I will look on you with favor. Come on, can somebody say favor? I'm imagining lots of favors out there, all right? I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers and I'll keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. Come on, doesn't that sound pretty good? You have to move out your harvest because you've got to make room now for the new. Let's give it away. Let's go, let's go buy stuff for the church. Let's go bless people. Let's go, you know, employ some people. Let, let's, let's just make room because there's more coming in. I will put my dwelling place among you. I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Come on, isn't that a beautiful passage? Isn't that incredible? How many of you want that for your life? Wouldn't you like to just read that and say, that is my life, that's, that's what I have? I mean, that is... It's beautiful. I don't think there's anyone who, who wouldn't want that. Um, and I want, what I want you to see there is God's heart. He's, he's passionate. He's like, I don't, I don't want you stuck in Egypt in this, this system of slavery and this, uh, corrupt, greedy, racist something system. I, so I delivered you from that, brought you out of that. And then when you go into your promised land, I, I don't want you toiling day and night and, and getting like, you know, sowing a whole thing and get like five grapes back. You know, I, I want you to live in a, in a place where, man, you're still harvesting your grapes when, when you're ready, the next one's due for harvest. And, and you, and you, you know, you, you've still got when you've got to, uh, you've got to create room for, for the new that's coming in. That's, that's 
what he wants for his people. And I really believe he wants that for our lives too. So, now, the key here, what I want us to just to look at, is the way that they were able to escape the dysfunction of the sowing and reaping system was through the law. In, in, in verse 3, it says that if you follow my decrees or my laws and are careful to obey my commands. So God gives Israel this thing called the law. And, and it's a way out for them. It's, a, it's an opportunity for them. He gives them this thing called the law. And he says, if you obey this thing called the law, if you obey my commands and decrees, then all of these blessings are going to come upon you. Notice they still had to engage in the sowing and reaping system. Okay, this, this is not like a wilderness experience. This is, they still got to go out and plant. They still got to harvest. They still got to put in their work. But it's not toil anymore. It's work. It's purpose. It's meaning. It's significance that they're going to every day. So they're not just toiling and getting nothing back, but they, they're getting a good return for their labor. And the key to that happening, the, to the way God redeems the sowing and reaping system, is he gives them this thing called the law. So the law was this gift to get them out. And, and look at it. All they had to do, how did they walk in the blessing? It was simple. All they had to do was follow his decrees and obey his commands. That's it. Does that sound simple? <laughs> well, it's, it's not really that simple. Hey, <laughs> I mean, I don't think any of us are, are able to follow all of God's decrees and obey all his commands. Um, and, and they weren't really able to do that either. And so the law system, although it was great and, and it was a way out, the problem, there was a, there was a problem with the law system is that they had to obey it fully. And this is where I want us now to move to the New Testament. And I want us to look at Galatians chapter 3. Alright, so let's go to Galatians 3 and verse 13. It says the following. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing, alright, given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith, can somebody say by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, in this passage, it's very interesting that Paul calls, he, he uses this phrase, the curse of the law. Christ redeems us from the curse of the law. What does he mean when he say this? Well, the law was not a curse in itself, right? It was actually given to bless Israel. But it's not only a path to blessings, it's also a path, a path to curses if you don't obey it. So, Galatians 3.10, let me read this to you. It says, We're getting lots of scripture today, all right? It says, But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scripture says, Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book book of the law. So what we see here is that you know when Paul talks about the curse of the law, what he means is that there's this burden of having to keep the law, having to obey the law completely, fully. You had to obey it fully in order to experience the blessing. So, and if you didn't obey it fully, then there was a curse that came with that. 
And so the law comes, but, and it's a path to a blessing. But if you don't obey it, there's this curse. And Paul then writes and says, Jesus came to redeem us from the curse of the law. He came to redeem us. <laughs> he came to redeem us for, 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 from the curse of the law, from, from not being able to keep the law fully. From that, that part of us that's not able to obey and fulfill all the functions of the law, Christ came and He redeemed us or He saved us from that so that we could just have the blessing. So basically, Christ came to remove the curse from that. So when we look in the Old Testament, the blessing came through the law. But in the New Testament, the blessing of God comes through grace and faith. Now, I believe we can experience everything that is in Leviticus. You know, everything that we read that, I believe that's God's heart for us. The way they experienced it was through the law, by obeying the law. The way we step into the blessing on Abraham is through grace and faith. And then the question remains, well then, how do we work this grace and faith system? How do we take grace and faith and apply it to the sowing and reaping system so that we can experience what Scripture is promising us. Well, the way we do it is we have to make room for grace and we have to apply our faith in the sowing and reaping system. So within the system of sowing and reaping, we have to make room for grace and we have to apply our faith. I want you to turn to somebody, even if you're alone, or I turn to the lampstand or whatever, and say the way we step in the blessing is by making room for grace and by applying our faith. In the Old Testament, they had to obey the law. What do we have to do? We have to make room for grace and we have to apply our faith. Now, I want to talk about making room for grace. Let's, let's just focus in on that. And, and I think next week I'm going to talk more about applying our faith. So let's talk about making room for grace. In, in the Old Testament, remember they were given the law, all right, in order to experience the blessing. So what you do is, is, is in the Old Testament you see the Israelites meditating on the law, learning the law, confessing the law, teaching the law writing the Lord, soaking their whole lives in the law. They, they built their entire community, their families, their, their nation around the law of God. And as they did that, they began to experience the blessing of God. And you can see this all the way through the Old Testament. It's incredible. Like if you just take Psalm 1, for example. How many of you know Psalm 1? Come on. Psalm 1 is the, like, the most famous psalm to quote. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits down to rest with a scornful gather. But his delight and his desire is what? In the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And then it goes on to say, that, you know, his delight and his desires in the law of the Lord, and he's meditating on the law of the Lord day and night, meditating on what has God commanded, what has God commanded, what does God say, and meditating on it day and night. And then it goes on and says, 
He will be like a tree, firmly planted and tended by streams of living water, ready to bring forth fruit in its season. Its, its leaves shall not wither and it, it will not fear any evil. Or You know, it's, it talks about then the blessing that comes from, from, from meditating and pondering the law of God. Um, so there we see the, the law and then the blessing. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, another famous scripture. I know a lot of us know this one as well. Uh, God says this to Joshua. He says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, and be careful to observe and do according to all that's written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall deal wisely, and then you'll have good success, and then the blessing will come upon you. So what was the command to Joshua? Meditate on the law. Soak your life in the law of God. Don't let it come out, of, don't let it not come out of your mouth. You know, don't let it depart from your mouth. In other words, you're speaking it, meditating on it day and night, observing, doing whatever it tells you to do, because as you do that, you're gonna be redeemed from this dysfunctional system of sowing and reaping, and you're gonna step into the blessing and you're going to experience good success in your life because God wants to redeem you from this dysfunctional cursed sowing and reaping system okay so so the law was the way out and they had to they literally had to soak their lives in it David in the Psalms always kept saying your commandments are my delight in fact in Deuteronomy it says take these laws and bind them on your hands and and put them on your forehead between your eyes and, and put them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so as you go in, and I mean, Israel, if you go to Israel today, you'll find they wear phylacteries where they actually take scriptures and they, they fold them up and they put them on these like things on their foreheads and they, they tie them actually to their arms and they, and they, um, and they write scriptures out and they put them actually on their doorposts in these like little containers, all right? On their front doors, their bedroom doors, their gates, everywhere. They put them, uh, that's not really exactly what God was saying. What he was saying is, you don't have to write scriptures and put them everywhere, although that's cool if you want to do that, okay? I know, you know, my wife writes out scriptures and puts them in her cupboard doors and stuff like that, and I think it's cool. It's, it's good to have the Word of God in front of our eyes. But what, it, what it's actually saying is, when it says, bind the law to your hands, make sure your hands are doing the law. When it says, put it on your forehead between your eyes, make sure that... You, the way you're looking at the world is through the law of God, that you're seeing and interpreting reality through the law. Um, when it says, you know, put them on your doorposts and your, of your house and, and on your doors, what it's saying is as you leave your house, leave with the intention of doing the law of God. As you come in, come with the intention that this is a place where the law of God is, is outworked. So that's what it meant. So in the Old Testament, you see this incredible, I don't know, it's like the nation grabs the law, okay? They grab it, they confess it, they're speaking it, they're sticking it up everywhere. They're, they're putting it into their hearts. Why? Because it's the way out of the dysfunctional sowing and reaping system. Now, God said this to me a little while, okay? And this is a key I want to, I just want to bless you with this morning. He said to me, Wayne, when I was meditating on grace one day, he said, Wayne, if you really want to understand the Old Testament, and if you want to access what's in the Old Testament, just do this. Wherever you see the word law, replace it with the word grace. And whenever you see the word do, replace it with the word believe. And that's how we unlock it. Because remember now, Jesus removed the law. Okay? 
Alright, he, he took the law, he, the law, the full weight of the law was, was put upon Jesus. So the law has been dealt with at the cross. The, there, there is, there is no way to keep the law anymore and, and walk in the blessing of God. Paul speaks about this in Galatians. He's like, you know, you're cursed if you're trying to keep the law. Man, if you're trying to keep the law to, in order to walk in the blessing, You've got to keep that whole law and you know you're not going to be able to keep the whole law. And so you're setting yourself up for failure and you're trying to trust in something that's not actually going to deliver anymore. So Jesus came and he wiped that away and he came with grace and faith. And for us New Testament believers, what we need to do is, is take grace and faith and put it wherever we see law and do and, and, and we can start to access the blessing of God, what, what God intended, okay? So, let me, let me show this to you. In John chapter 1 verse 17, it says, For while the law was given through Moses, grace, can you just say grace? What a beautiful word. Grace. Grace, and I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, unearned. People, how, how many of you like unearned? That's quite nice, eh? <laughs> unearned. In other words, no labor involved. No work involved. Unearned, undeserved favor and spiritual blessing and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law came through Moses as a way out of the system. But now Jesus came with a much better new covenant called grace and faith. All right? it, and, and it's through that that we're able to access the blessings of the covenant. I said this last week, or maybe in one of the devotions this week, I can't even remember anymore, but I said this, I said, everything that Christ purchased for us is only available through grace and faith. It's not available through the law. It's not, we cannot earn our salvation. We cannot earn our healings. We cannot earn deliverance. We cannot earn provision or prosperity or the blessing on Abraham. There's works do not count anymore. Okay? Some of you might, like the religious of us, we just, we, we struggle to accept that. Like, no, I have to do something. There, no. It's grace, which means it's a gift. It's unearned. It's the favor of God. It's God treating you as though you are Jesus. It's, it's, it God's riches because what Christ did. It's grace, but you have to activate your believer. You have to activate faith. And if you've got that, Everything that you read in here is available to you. <laughs> this is good news, eh? This is powerful stuff, man. Everything in here is available to you through grace and faith, not the law anymore. Now, um, I'm running out of time. I want to just, I want to share this. So, what is grace? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Grace is a system of mercy, not merit. It's having access to everything that Christ had. And how's this for a, uh, a good quote? It is the empowerment of God to do the will of God, to see the blessing of God, and to enjoy relationship with God. Isn't that beautiful? So what we've got to do, let me, let's just do a quick exercise. Let's translate the Old Testament into with New Testament language. We go back to Psalm chapter 1, and it says, um, Blessed is the man who delights in the law, all right? And meditates on it, ponders it, and studies it day and night. So what, if we're going to translate that, what do we have to do? We have to take out the word law, and we have to replace it with the word grace. And it says this, blessed is the man. Blessing, all right, here's the blessing of God. 
who delights in grace and habitually meditates, ponders, and studies it by day and night. People, if we want to walk in the blessing of God, we have got to soak ourselves in grace, in the grace of God. You will be blessed when you get this, begin to ponder, delight in, meditate, soak in, prioritize, celebrate, uh, focus on the grace of God. When you start to make grace the key, the, the focus of your attention, you start to experience the blessing of God. We have to make room for grace. We are in a sowing and reaping system. And, what, and, the, and we've, got to, we've got to realize that grace and faith has been given to us as a way to experience the blessing of God within the system. So we take grace and we ponder it. We meditate on it. We soak in it. We make room in our lives for the favor of God, the unearned favor, favor of God, the, the extreme uh, generosity of God, we, we, the, the kindness of God, the mercy of God. We just start to make room for it. And this is where the challenge comes for us. For, for some of us, we're so, we've become so tainted and, and damaged by the sowing and reaping system that we just don't have any room for grace in our lives anymore. There's just no room for a miracle-working God. There's no room for God to do something amazing in my life anymore. There's no room for Him to heal. There's no room for Him to to bless. There's no room for him maybe to use me to pray for other people and see the Spirit of God released upon their lives. There's just, it's just, I'm, you, because we're so damaged from the sowing and reaping system. And I feel like this is so many of us. I feel like God just wants to heal you right now, man. We've, you've been damaged by that system. I feel like the message of grace is coming into your heart right now this morning and, and just filling you with hope again. That man, you, you can experience the unearned blessing and favor of God. It can come to your business. It can come to your job. It can come to your family. Man, if you've been tainted by the sowing, a dysfunctional sowing and reaping system and you've grown up in poverty and tough stuff and, and man, you find yourself on the wrong end of the stick or the, right, the back of the line, let me tell you something. There is this thing called grace, okay? And it can come to you according to this word and it can change everything in your life. So make room for it. Ponder it, meditate on it, love it, and enjoy it. I mean, look at Joshua chapter 1. Let's, let's, let's translate Joshua chapter 1 into New Testament terminology. This book of grace, <laughs> not this book of the law, this book of grace will not depart of your, out of your mouth. Meditate on it day and night that you may observe and Believe. Remember, we place the word, replace the word do with believe. And believe according to all that's in it. So don't let the book of grace depart from your mouth and believe everything that's written about it. Then you shall make your way prosperous. Then you shall deal wisely. Then you shall have good success. Then you will step into the blessing of God. Start to make room for grace and faith. Um, Let's, let's move on. You know, God has been challenging me with this word so much. I heard recently one of my heroes, you know, John, John Wesley, um, what an incredible man of God. One of my heroes in scripture. I heard like recently that he spent like six hours a day in prayer. 
Okay, now like when I heard that, I was like, six hours a day in prayer. Yo, 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 yo. That is, that is something else. You know, that's like powerful. They said, even next to his bed, there were like, there were these, where he used to kneel, there was like these two kneeling marks into the wood of the floor because he spent so much time on his knees next to his bed praying, okay? I mean, anybody here, you, you're making dents in the ground because of your prayers. I don't know. Like that, for me, when I heard that, I was like, yo, that is some serious discipline. And I'm always trying to like model my life on, on great men of God and trying to learn from their lives. And I'm like, and I heard six hours of prayer. I was like, Pfft. I don't, I don't think I'm going to do six hours of prayer every day, Lord, you know. I like, I like prayer. Two, you know, three, may, you know, but six hours. And then God, I was like, I was thinking, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking this, this, that, man, that takes a lot of discipline. And God challenged me. And he said, Wayne, what if it wasn't discipline? What if it was delight? And I was like, huh? What if it, that six hours went in six minutes for John Wesley? What if that's why he spent so much time there? What if he was just encountering angels and hearing commands from heaven and drawing on the wisdom of God and getting strategy for the day? And you, you know what? And suddenly I, I started to have a little shift and I was like, he said, Wayne, what do you believe about prayer? You know, when you go to pray, what, what do you believe about? Are you arriving to an empty room by yourself to a God who is maybe hearing you? Or are you, like Scripture says, coming to Mount Zion where there are countless thousands upon thousands of angels in festive celebration? Are you coming to the creator of the universe who loves you, who speaks, who you put his spirit in you, who you're able to hear from, who uh, is able to impart wisdom to you? What are you coming to when you come to prayer? What do you believe about that? Because that belief is limiting you or it's unlimiting your life. You know, and so what I realized was I didn't have much space for grace in prayer all i've understood about prayer is is that it's discipline man we got to be disciplined you got to pray man you got to pray just to make it today all right so i've had to reshape my mind and and create this idea of like when i go to my prayer time what's going to happen today maybe i'm going to meet gabriel you know what kind of wisdom is god going to pour out on me today you know, what What am I going to hear? Am I going to get prophetic words and strategic direction for the church? And maybe I'm going to start to see visions like Daniel saw for the city and for the nation. You know, I, I, I'm starting to learn how to create grace for my prayer life. That's something I'm, I'm learning. Let me ask you this. When you go to work, what are you showing up to? A dreary place full of unrealistic demands where you just toil? Or are you showing up to your mission field? A place of opportunity, a place of blessing and favor, a place where you're going to start to experience the favor of God can actually land in your workplace. What does that look like? Start to make room for that in your heart. Make room for that in your day. Don't think about, some of you are thinking about next year. Hey, I'm going to have to pay. I'm going to have to do. I'm going to, next year's going to be a hard year. You've already trashed next year because you've had no space 
for grace when you think about your next year. I mean, can, can you just rather put some favor and grace into next year and start to make space for what God can do? I think this. I think the biggest enemy to grace working in our lives is simply that we just don't have room for it. We're just so damaged by a toil and uh, sowing reaping system that's dysfunctional that, that we just cannot imagine it, like that, that I could just be healed or that my bond can just get paid off or that God can bless me with a car without any repayments or you know come on you know like do we have any room for that do we have any space for a miracle working god grace unearned undeserved favor of god coming on our lives do you have any room for that all right we we've got to create room for it um when we open our eyes in the morning the first thing we should be thinking about is grace if if the israelites you know, bound the law to their hands and put it on their foreheads and taught it to their children's and put it on their doorposts, then let's do the same with grace, not the law. Let's let's put grace on our doorposts and on our doors. Man, as I walk through my house today, the unearned favor of God is coming upon my homes and my cupboards and filling up my petrol tank. And as I walk out of my house, the world is open to me and full of opportunities. Man, today can I, have, I can have divine appointments. I can win tenders today. I could find a new job today. Unearned favor is my portion today as we're going in, as we're going out. We're teaching it to our kids. It's on our hands. It's, you know, you, you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying. Let me finish with this. Okay, I've gone on a little bit long. I don't have time to explain it too much, but in the parable of the talents, you know the parable of the talents, Matthew 25. Okay, Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, in Matthew 25, there's this master and he comes to three servants and he gives them a talent, which is a whole lot of money. Okay, he gives the one ten, the other one five, the other one one. I think it was ten five one. Is that right, Spore? Ten five one. That's it. Okay. Um, and and the ten goes and multiplies, the five goes and multiplies, but the one buries it. The reason why the one buried his talent was this in verse twenty four. I'll read this and I'm closing. He said, He who received the one talent came forward also, saying, Master, I knew you to be a harsh and hard man. Reaping where you did not sow. Huh? Sowing and reaping. And gathering where you winnowed, where you had not winnowed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. Your own. Have, have what is your own. Now, what is the talent in this parable? A lot of people think a talent is a gift that God gave to you. Actually, it's not. It was a whole lot of money. Okay? It was, it was opportunity. It was blessing. Alright? In, I think in this, in this parable, the talent is actually faith. Okay? Why do I think that? Well, because um, it, it was a large amount of money that he gave them, something valuable, treasure. And when I look at Scripture, what I see is faith is super valuable. It's of ultimate. It's so important. Faith is like, it is so super valuable. And the Bible says that we've all been given a measure of faith. Okay, we've all been given this measure of faith and we are to grow our faith or multiply our faith. So in this parable, if the talent is, is, is faith, alright, what caused this guy to bury his faith? It was quite simply that he had no room for grace in his life. He thought, when he thought of God, he thought, Esh, 
I don't think God wants to give me anything. I think he's a hard guy. I don't think he rewards those who diligently serve him. I think, man, he, I've just got his, you know, he, he had this, he didn't have this perception of an extravagant healing, delivering, lavishing love on generous God. He had this picture of God is miserly and tough and just getting a little bit to get by and, and, and you can't always, you don't even know what you're going to get from him because you know what I mean. It's, you don't, you can't really trust that he's really going to be extravagant towards you. And so there was no room for grace. And so he buried his faith. And here's the principle I want you to learn today is this, is that faith only works where grace exists. Faith only works where grace exists. If there's no space in your life for grace, you'll never be able to apply your faith. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. If there's no grace, there's nothing to hope for. There's nothing to look forward to. There's no chance out. Your only hope is the sowing and reaping system. And so if there's no space for grace, then your faith gets buried, man. It just gets gets Buried in the ground. It doesn't work. And get this. If faith doesn't work in your life, you don't multiply. You don't succeed. You don't, you go to the sowing, the sowing and reaping system doesn't work for you. You, it, it, you just have what it is. Okay. You don't access the blessing. So what we have to do is create room for grace. Have an expectation, a dream, a picture, a hope of what God could do. The extravagant mercy of God. On your life, have a picture of that. Meditate on that. Ponder on that. It soak your life in it. Write it. Believe in it. Speak it. Confess it over your life continuously. And what you will find is this thing called faith will start to rise up inside of you. And you're like, mm, I like that. I think God could do that. I think He could do that today. And faith begins to work. And then you go to your job and you go to your work and you go to your home and you engage in the sowing and reaping system. And suddenly now it's not just the sowing and reaping system at work in your life but there's a favor there's a power there's an endowment from God that's enabling you to get more than what you put in man that's all I want to share with you today <laughs> I've gone slightly over the other two guys they had room for grace they didn't believe what 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 they, the, uh, the third guy believed about God they didn't believe he was a harsh man they, they probably believed, man, he's given this to me, obviously, because he believes in me, obviously. And, and, and so they, they stepped out in faith and they, and they doubled. They, they multiplied what was given to them. So, guys, as, we, as, I, as I wrap this message, my, my, my point to you is this. Make room for grace. The way we work the grace and faith system, make room for grace. And as you make room for grace, faith will find something to, to attach itself to. Faith will start to work in your life and you're going to start to see a good return for your labor. You're going to get out of that toil system, that darkness, that, that depressing life of sowing and reaping and that's your only hope. You're going to, you're going to come out of that 
with grace and faith. Let me pray for you as we close. Father, thank you for everyone who's hearing this word. Father, I thank you right now. You're healing hearts. I thank you right now. You're changing mindsets. I thank you that you're lifting up hope. I thank you that you're raising expectations, Lord. I thank you that even now you're touching, you're healing bodies, you're restoring minds. I thank you, Father God, that right now, Father, you're filling this church, this congregation with great hope, with great grace, with great expectation. Father, I thank you that the vision of what you have for our lives, let it come like a rushing mighty wind upon this church, Father God. Let it come upon us, Lord God. Let us be the people who have room for grace, who have room for a God who heals, who has room for a God who blesses, a God who pays off debts, a God who empowers us, a God who promotes us. Let us have room for that in our lives. Let the favor and the blessing of God be upon you, every nation, Durban, every man, woman, and child. In Jesus' mighty name, I bless you. Have a great week, saints. We're going to be together again soon. I can't wait to see you. Amen. Thank you for joining Church Online today. We hope that you were inspired and challenged by today's message. We would like to encourage you to join one of our connect groups where you can make friends and discuss the word further. You can message us on 072-606-6747 to join a connect group or to send us any prayer needs you might have. To give your tithes and offering, please visit our website www.endurban.org to get our bank details and zapper code. Have a safe and blessed week.